0: This is VOA News. I'm Tommy McNeil. Fish upset Israel and U.S.-designated terrorist group Hamas are making progress in the ceasefire and hostage release talks. AP correspondent Karen Shamas.
1: An Israeli tank rolls near Gaza on the southern Israeli border as explosions could be heard from inside the enclave negotiations between the two sides had been continuing in cairo a day after israeli forces rescued two captives in Rafah. more than 70 palestinians were killed in the raid the mass destruction and death was a glimpse of what a full-scale israeli ground advance into the area would look like a ceasefire deal on the other hand would give people in gaza a desperately needed respite from israel's offensive now in its fifth month I'm Karen Chamas.
0: Ukrainians in the capital, Kiev, said Tuesday that they felt the passage of a U.S. military aid bill was crucial for the country's war effort against Russia. VOA's Rick Pantaleo tells us more.
2: The Democratic-led U.S. Senate Tuesday passed a more than $95 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. But it's facing a bleak future in the Republican-controlled House of Representatives. Ukrainians interviewed in Kiev said the bill is important for Ukraine. Rina Ivanova is an economist. I would very much like the passing of the bill. However, I very well understand that we cannot force it. We can only hope for it. Both houses of Congress must approve the legislation before President Biden can sign it into law.
0: Rick Pantaleo, VOA News. South Korea's military says it has detected North Korea firing multiple cruise missiles into the waters off its northeastern coast. And its fifth test of such weapons since January. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff on Wednesday did not immediately provide the exact numbers of missiles fired or how war or how far they flew. The launches were North Korea's sixth missile launch event this year, also including a January fourteenth. This is VOA News. U.S. President Joe Biden is warning House of Representative Republicans of the stakes if they do not allow a vote on the emergency aid package the Senate has passed for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. AP correspondent Sankar Magani. The president says Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin must see that the U.S. stands with Ukraine and other allies.
3: Supporting this bill is standing up to Putin opposing it is playing into
0: putin's hands but the 95 billion dollar bill faces a deeply uncertain future in the house with hardline trump allied republicans opposed ukraine backers hope the senate's bipartisan support will put pressure with the nearly two-year russia-ukraine war at a crucial point i urge speaker johnson to bring it to the floor immediately sagar Magani, washington three years into myanmar's military rule the fighting has displaced millions of civilians including journalists at democratic voice of burma or dvb but from newsrooms outside of myanmar they keep reporting the news has a story narrated by rash Basadi. exile is not new for dvb founded in 1992 in norway under prior junta rule the broadcaster moved to myanmar during civilian rule only to have to flee again in 2021 with access to independent news restricted in Myanmar, DVB and other media now working from exile play a vital role. I think the media become a crucial countering fake news, and also countering propaganda, uh, telling the truth
1: about the situation on the ground.
0: Chun Nine is executive director of DVB for VOA News in Thailand. Arash Arabasadi. The U.S. House has voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over the Biden administration's handling of the U.S.-Mexico border. An historic rebuke of a sitting cabinet secretary. The Republican majority was determined to try again to impeach Mayorkas after having failed last week. Tuesday evening's vote was tight even with the arrival of Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who has been away from Washington for cancer care. Speaker Mike Johnson's Majority could not spare defections or absences in the face of staunch Democratic opposition. President Joe Biden called the impeachment of Mayorkas a blatant act of unconstitutional partisanship that has targeted an honorable public servant in order to play petty political games. You'll find more at voanews.com. I'm Tommy McNeil, VOA News.
2: of representatives to vote on a Senate approved $95 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. History is watching. History is watching. History is watching. Estonia says Russia is preparing for a military confrontation with the
4: west kremlin is probably anticipating a possible conflict with nato within the next decade and
2: the very first dinosaur bones were found 200 years ago in all that time what have we learned how they lived how they evolved and what doomed them today is wednesday february 14th and this is voa's international edition I'm Scott Walterman. The U.S. Senate approved a $95 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan early Tuesday. But as we hear now from VOA's congressional correspondent, Catherine Gipson, the bill faces a tough path to passage in the Republican-majority U.S. House of Representatives.
5: Crucial moment for 60 billion in aid to Ukraine, 14 billion in aid to Israel, and billions for Indo-Pacific countries confronting China. As the U.S. Senate passed a major foreign aid bill Tuesday, President Joe Biden called on the Republican-majority U.S. House of Representatives to consider the bill.
3: But call the Speaker to let the full House speak its mind. not allow a minority of most extreme voices in the House to block this bill even from being voted on.
5: Speaker of the House Mike Johnson said Monday the House would not take up that vote without changes to the U.S. immigration system. A tentative $118 billion bipartisan agreement that included some border security measures collapsed last week after former President Donald Trump encouraged Republicans to vote against sending more aid to Ukraine.
3: But well, Let's say we give all this money, we were already into Ukraine, for over $200 billion. And they could make a deal with Russia in the next three weeks, and all of a sudden
5: they don't want to deal with us anymore. Democrats hailed passage of the foreign aid bill as a key moment in American leadership in global crises.
0: One of the most historic and consequential bills passed the Senate, a bill that so greatly impacts not just our national security, not just the security of our allies, but also the security of Western democracy as we know it.
5: Republican lawmakers are divided over sending more aid to Ukraine, arguing the money is better spent on domestic security.
0: Well, what we asked for is, as long as the administration had a high priority of supplying another 60 60 plus billion to Ukraine to help Ukraine secure its border, we thought maybe, just maybe, we could use that as leverage to force this administration to secure our border.
5: But 22 Republicans, led by Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, voted with Democrats, saying the the stakes for U.S. national national security were too high to ignore.
2: Our allies and partners are hoping that the indispensable nation, the leader of the free world, has the resolve to continue. And our adversaries are hoping for something quite different.
5: The U.S. sent the last round of aid to Ukraine on December 27th. An analyst tells VOA the delays embolden Russia.
0: For Putin, this is something of a triumph. uh, And it makes Russia look like it's on uh, the winning side of the trajectory and it makes Ukraine look like it's uh, at the very least you know, sort of stuck uh, or stalemated in the war.
5: House lawmakers are in session for three days this week before leaving town until early March. Katherine Gibson, VOA News. To get something like this passed, there are a number of
2: complicating factors, the least of which is the politics of it all. With a neck-and-neck presidential election this year, there's a lot of pressure on the members of Congress. Joining us now to talk about this is Matt Klink, president of clink campaigns in los angeles the senate passes the 95 million dollar aid without the border security component and now it goes to the house and even though the president urges them to just do an up or down vote that's gets that's where it gets tricky right
3: it absolutely it's tricky yeah no, i mean it that The question significant questions remain about whether the 95 billion dollar. Supplemental bill that passed the Senate uh, with a very uh, sizable majority veto proof majority will even get a vote in the House of Representatives Uh, and in a large part it's because uh, House leadership they're a little bipolar at the moment. You know, they said that a that a a legislative vehicle needed to include. uh, Border security funding that. Uh, border security bill was negotiated in and it ultimately failed in the Senate and would have failed in the House. And now the, Rep- the Republicans in the House are saying that they won't take this up because it doesn't include border security. So it, it, it's the Speaker is definitely in a tough spot, and it's unknown if a majority of the Republicans uh, in the House do and do indeed support this package.
2: Now they they needed Republicans and and Republicans did cross over to vote yes, in the Senate, more than people expected. Um, There's probably those votes in the House, but like you said, will it ever get to the floor? Maybe you can explain to people that don't really understand that, what we mean.
3: Sure. So, you know, the Republicans hold a very, very slim majority in the House of Representatives. Uh, the, The Democrats are trying to use something called a discharge petition where a simple majority of the House members, so in this case it would need some Republican votes, would file this discharge position and petition and this measure would come onto the House floor and would be open for debate and a vote. Now the challenge is, is that if the Speaker were to allow this to happen, it would further weaken an already weak, weak speakership and would likely you know, put the Republicans into the form of being virtually irrelevant. So it's very, very likely that the speaker will enforce rigid party discipline and either allow changes to be made to the legislation or will not allow it to come to a vote at all and will do what they've done in the past, take up individual chunks of this aid uh, separately, like Israel aid, Taiwan aid, etc.
2: Political strategist Matt Klink Now, politics were most certainly at play on Tuesday in the Congress as Republicans impeached U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the culmination of months of attacks against the Democratic official over a surge in migrants crossing the U.S. southern border. The Republican-led House of Representatives passed two articles accusing Mayorkas of willful and systematic refusal to enforce immigration law and breach public trust. But he is almost certain to be acquitted by the Democratic-led Senate. Back to Russia now and the threat it poses to Europe. Estonia's Foreign Intelligence Service says Russia is preparing for a military confrontation with the West within the next 10 years. Reuters correspondent Rachel Faber has this part of the story.
6: Its Foreign Intelligence Service said on Tuesday that the assessment was based on Russia's plans to double the number of forces stationed along its border with Finland, Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia. This is Kaupo Rosen, chief of the intelligence service.
4: And we also see that the Kremlin is probably anticipating a possible conflict with NATO within the next decade or so. That's from their perspective. Uh, without uh, specifying what does it exactly mean. Would it be a direct uh, military action in Baltic states or somewhere uh, else?
6: He says right now Russia doesn't have the manpower, partly because it has to keep troops in Ukraine, and that NATO and its allies were moving in the right direction to counter the Russian threat. A growing number of Western officials have warned of a military threat from Russia to countries along the eastern flank of NATO, calling for Europe to get prepared by rearming. Estonia and the other Baltic states have increased their military spending since Russia annexed Crimea in 2014. And NATO allies have raised their presence in those countries. Germany, in its first permanent foreign deployment since World War II, plans to have 4,800 combat-ready troops in the region by 2027. Rosen added that unless Western support to Ukraine is sustained or increased, it is unlikely to be able to change the situation on the battlefield.
2: Reuters correspondent Rachel Faber. We're following these other stories from around the world. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken on Tuesday urged Senegalese President Macky Saul to restore Senegal's election date. The abrupt postponement of the February 25th vote to December has plunged Senegal into crisis. Former Prime Minister Shahbaz Sharif will be the nominee for Pakistan's next premier to lead a new coalition alliance formed between different parties. THE PAKISTAN PEOPLE'S PARTY ON TUESDAY SAID IT WOULD SUPPORT SHARIF'S PARTY TO FORM A MINORITY GOVERNMENT, ENDING A STALEMATE AFTER INCONCLUSIVE ELECTIONS. INDONESIANS STARTED VOTING ON WEDNESDAY IN AN ELECTION HEADLINED BY THE RACE TO SUCCEED POPULAR PRESIDENT JOKO Widodo, WHOSE INFLUENCE COULD DETERMINE WHO TAKES THE HELM OF THE WORLD'S THIRD-LARGEST DEMOCRACY. Talks involving the U.S., Egypt, Israel and Qatar on a Gaza truce ended without a breakthrough on Tuesday as calls grew for Israel to hold back on a planned assault on the southern end of the enclave, crammed with more than a million people displaced from the rest of Gaza. Farmers in South Africa's red meat industry are excited to resume exporting beef and lamb to Saudi Arabia after a long hiatus. Kate Bartlett reports from a ranch outside Johannesburg that stands to benefit from the new trade partnership.
7: South Africa did a deal with the kingdom, which this year became a new member of the BRICS Plus Group of Emerging Economies. Which already includes Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, and presents itself as an alternative to the Western-led global order. Matthew Karen is a part owner of Karen Beef.
3: So, Saudi Arabia is firstly a very big market for protein. Generally, uh, they are the largest um, consumer in the in the Gulf. So, South Africa has just been accredited and various factories have been accredited. So this is very exciting for South Africa. The rest of the BRICS countries, um, we currently don't export to many of them. Uh, We don't export to Russia. Uh, We don't export to Brazil. We don't export to India.
7: Karen Beef, one of South Africa's biggest beef producers, does export to China, but does business primarily with Gulf countries, and new partner Saudi Arabia's protein market is worth some $2 billion. Until now, South Africa has been banned from exporting to the oil-rich kingdom for more than 20 years, ever since an outbreak of foot-and-mouth disease, said Wendile Salobo, chief economist at the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa.
8: Countries that have dominated uh, the Saudi market includes the likes of the U.S., uh, South America, you see them there. Um, And now South Africa will be joining uh, those countries.
7: Devault Olivier, CEO of Red Meat Industry Services, says trade with China involves logistical hurdles, while the EU market is difficult to break into. Most of South Africa's beef goes to the domestic market, with exports accounting for only around 4%. So a new customer like Saudi Arabia is important.
3: If you look at the Saudi Arabian market, they consume 2.4 million tons of red meat per annum.
7: And Olivia says the deal is already opening other doors in the BRICS Plus grouping.
3: What we've seen was that on the back of Saudi Arabia uh, opening up to us, uh, we've had discussions immediately with Iran.
7: Increased exports should have a positive effect on South Africa's flailing economy and high unemployment rates. Kate Bartlett, VOA News, Johannesburg.
2: VOA's International Edition continues. I'm Scott Walterman. February 13th was World Radio Day. So to mark the day, VOA's Christina Casido smith met up with, well, a bunch of little me's. Students taking part in a local news program that teaches them media skills, including how to produce a podcast.
1: Every Friday afternoon, a group of teenagers and young adults meets, eat snacks, works on their laptops, and talk about local news. With them is Kristen Clark, the Community Engagement Director at Arlington Independent Media. The nonprofit focuses on media training and resources for community news, including programs for youngsters who want to learn about media.
9: We reach out to kids across all of the high schools, um, and we we reach out to kids who are interested in writing, who are interested in multimedia, but also who are interested in government and politics. Um, Kids who who speak foreign languages at home. Like, um, really the philosophy is that everyone has a story to tell
1: at their weekly editorial meetings the high school and college students talk about possible angles for their stories and the people they may interview they also each create an episode for the arlington amp podcast students choose a story to cover and work on it for six weeks CLARK SAYS THE EXPERIENCE GIVES LISTENERS A YOUNG PERSON'S PERSPECTIVE.
9: WE HAD A STUDENT THAT WENT AND DID A STORY ABOUT A LOCAL, um, LIKE A HIGHWAY REDEVELOPMENT PLAN um, THAT IS GOING TO TAKE PLACE OVER THE NEXT 30 YEARS, AND HE WAS LIKE, I'M THE EXACT KIND OF PERSON THAT'S GOING TO BE AROUND IN 30 YEARS um, WHEN THIS COMES TO fruition." ANOTHER STUDENT COMBINED A WORLD RECORD ATTEMPT WITH A LOOK INTO
1: LOCAL TRANSIT ISSUES. Cody Finnegan, a high schooler, is interested in public planning and city development.
4: I'm going to um, um, attempt a a world record for the um, fastest time visiting all the metro stations in the the DC area. Um, The current record is eight hours and I'm going to turn this world record attempt into the next episode hopefully of the Arlington Amp.
1: Finnegan fell five minutes shy of the world record but used the attempt to report on concerns about DC metro budget gaps and delays. Clark says the students cover community-wide issues
9: but also topics closer to home. Here in Arlington some of the biggest issues that affect our community are right in the high schools. So everything from Um, you know, guns on campus, to opioids, to um, especially teen mental health is a huge issue, to trans rights.
1: Encouraging students to cover
9: local news makes a difference, she says. When you hear, when you see young people engaging in things that matter here locally, that kind of like reminds us, maybe I should talk to my neighbors more. Cristina Caicedo-Smith, VOA News.
2: And finally, in the year 1824, two hundred years ago, William Buckland found the first dinosaur bones in Oxford, England. In the 200 years since, dinosaur science
10: has flourished. Here's Reuters correspondent Elon Rubens. We now know dinosaurs walked the planet from about 231 million years ago to 66 million years ago. But even after two centuries, the research is far from done. In 1824, English naturalist and theologian William Buckland addressed the Geological Society of London, describing an enormous jaw and limb bones unearthed in a slate quarry in a village near Oxford. Buckland recognized that these fossils belonged to a huge bygone reptile and gave it a formal scientific name, Megalosaurus, meaning great lizard. The actual word dinosaur would not be coined until the 1840s. Steve Brussati is a paleontologist at the University of Edinburgh. That moment really was the beginning of our cultural fascination with dinosaurs, which continues today. In the 1960s, the identification of the smallish meat-eating dinosaur Deinonychus shook up dinosaur science. It showed that dinosaurs could be small and agile. Some were anatomically similar to early birds like Archaeopteryx, confirming how birds evolved from small, feathered dinosaurs. It also prompted a debate over whether dinosaurs were warm or cold-blooded. The smallest ones were smaller than pigeons.
8: The biggest ones were heavier than Boeing 737 airplanes. But a lot of them would not have looked like reptiles at all. A lot of dinosaurs... covered in feathers some dinosaurs had wings and those kind of fossils would have been unfathomable to buckland and they show just how far our
10: perception of dinosaurs has changed in the last two centuries and then there's the mystery of how dinosaurs became extinct it had long puzzled scientists with various hypotheses offered in 1980 researchers identified a layer of sediment dating precisely to the end of the dinosaur age It contained high concentrations of iridium, an element common in meteorites, indicating a huge space rock had struck Earth. The Chicxulub Crater in Mexico, stretching 112 miles wide, was identified as the impact site of the asteroid that wiped out three-quarters of Earth's species, including the dinosaurs. More than 2,000 dinosaur species are now known, and paleontology is a vibrant international science. Remarkable fossils are being found in places such as China, Argentina, Brazil, South Africa, and Mongolia. Paleontologists put cranial fossils into CT scanners to build digital models of dinosaur brains and ears, gaining better knowledge of dino senses like sight, hearing, and smelling. And Brusatti says advances in technology, including artificial intelligence, is the next step to a better understanding of dinosaurs. AI, machine learning, this is
8: all the rage in in so many different fields and so many aspects of our lives these days, for better or for worse. But in paleontology, it is probably the next new big frontier. If we want to understand the big patterns of dinosaur evolution, how dinosaurs changed over time, as the Earth was changing over time, it's these enormous databases that can be analyzed by AI techniques that are going to give us that really critical insight. Reuters correspondent,
2: Ilan Rubens. This has been International Edition on The Voice of America. On behalf of everyone here at VOA, thank you so much for listening. For pictures, stories, videos, and more, follow VOA News on your favorite social media platform and online at voanews.com. In Washington, I'm Scott Walter.
4: Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. Three years ago, after losing a national election by a landslide, Burma's military imposed a state of emergency on the country and staged a coup d'etat. They arrested the country's elected civilian leaders and cracked down on the peaceful protests that followed. Numerous reports, including several by the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, have concluded that Burma's military regime continues to target civilians through airstrikes and the raising of populated areas. Following a rigorous factual and legal analysis, the United States Secretary of State determined that members of Burma's military have committed genocide and crimes against humanity against Rohingya in 2017, said Beth Van Scock, the State Department's ambassador at large for global criminal justice. Since the coup three years ago, the military regime has escalated its brutality against those who hope for democracy in Burma.
11: The regime has carried out executions of pro-democracy activists, political leaders, and people peaceful protesters. It has killed thousands of men, women, and children, destroying schools and places of worship. It has also suspended most civil liberties and detained and tortured political prisoners.
4: The crisis in Burma has generated an unprecedented mix of accountability responses, said Ambassador Vanscock. Gambia, with the support of the Organization of Islamic Corporation, initiated a lawsuit in the International Court of Justice in The Hague, accusing Burma of violating its obligations under the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide.
11: In January 2020, the International Court of Justice ruled that Burma must take measures within its power to prevent genocide against Rohingya and to preserve evidence. The United States has shared information with the Gambia's lawyers as they prepare their submissions to court.
4: An end to the violence and repositioning of Burma on a path to democracy are a top priority for the United States.
11: The United States has ramped up economic and political pressure on the military regime, including by restricting U.S. dollar transactions with state-owned enterprises that enable the military to kill and harm civilians.
4: The U.S. government has also provided nearly $4.2 billion in assistance to assist refugees in Bangladesh and also for other needs, said Ambassador Vanscock. Going forward, the United States will continue to conduct extensive documentation of the atrocities and to call for accountability for human rights abuses and for corruption, she said. We will continue to support the people of Burma in their own efforts to seek truth, justice and accountability. That was an editorial.